Welcome, Valley family. This is week number three in our series that we're calling SWAT, uh, standing for Spiritual Warfare and Tactics. Uh, and, and we're going to be diving in uh, to that in, in just a minute. But uh, before we do, I, I really want to just take a minute and to thank you, Valley family. Uh, last Sunday, between services, I, I received a picture. And you know, they, they say a picture's worth a thousand words. Um, this one is probably worth a hundred thousand words uh, and I want to just ask if the tech guys would put that up now and let me explain this picture this is uh, uh, one of the churches in Transnistria it's not Pastor Yuri's church that's in Tiraspol it's outside of Tiraspol in Gregoriopol uh, and Susie and I uh, have been there before this is the entire church out in front right here in this small village outside Tiraspol called Gregoriopol and uh, when we were there in September with Michaela, I spoke there on a Sunday morning uh, and in this village church, and uh, the, most of the village doesn't even have running water. And, uh, and we, we noticed that the kids were running around outside just playing in the dirt. One of the little girls fell down into like a pricker bush, and she came to her parents. She had all these prickers all stuck all over her. And, uh, and, and Susie's like, we just have to do something here. We talked to the pastor, uh, Pastor Dennis uh, of the church there, and uh, he, he said God had given him a dream to build a playground. They just didn't have the money for it uh, that would actually be a form of outreach to their village that they lived in. Uh, the cost of that was about $1,200 American, $1,300 American. Uh, and, and we sent the money over to them because of your generosity, Valley family. That's what they're standing in front of right here, and the kids are on top of is that playground that you made happen, Valley family, because of your generosity. And uh, they sent me a picture right between our 9 o'clock, 11 o'clock service last week, and I just wanted to hold it so everybody would see it this weekend. Uh, our online campus, our Poughkeepsie campus, we love all of you. And I wanted to share this with everyone instead of just the 11 o'clock service last week. But this is, you're, you're changing lives literally around the world, Valley family, uh, because of your ongoing generosity. And I just can't thank you enough. And uh, what a difference when you think <laughs> a different part of the world, a playground can be a form of outreach. And, and that's really what it's going to be, a safe place uh, where, where people can come, parents can bring their kids to play. And this is literally right outside the doors of the church building. So thank you so very much, Valley family. Uh, I do want to give a shout out to our Poughkeepsie campus. We love you guys. Uh, and, and we just uh, love partnering uh, together at Reach in the County and also our online campus. Hundreds of people every single week join us uh, online. That's why we're one church, multiple uh, locations. I, I mean, on a given week, we probably have about 400 different locations of people watching all over the world, quite literally, on our online campus. And uh, uh, we're in week number three, as I said. Before I, I do jump into the message, let me mention this is the last day to get the early bird pricing for our Connectus Conference. It's coming up this week, March 29th and 30th. It's going to be a fantastic time. Friday night's a free preview, but you want to make sure to register. You still have to register for that. We're going to have a panini bar, and uh, if you haven't registered, we're not going to be able to accommodate you coming on Friday night. Even though it's free, we want to make sure there's food for everyone, so please register uh, for that. 
and, and so uh, we want to do a quick review here of where we've been as we're looking at the armor of God in our SWAT series. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 11, you'll see these on your app. I invite you to open up your Valley app as we talk about the boots of peace today. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 11 says, put on the full armor of God, not just one piece or two, although we're looking at it week by week, put it all on, don't leave anything behind. Put on the full armor of God, remember it's God's armor, it's not Greg's armor, it's not your armor, it's not Valley Christian Church's armor. This, this is the armor of God that he's given to you and to me uh, that he knows will help us to be successful in spiritual warfare. Put it on so that you can take your stand against the devil's scheme. And we're going to talk specifically about the boots of peace today, how important it is to, to take a stand. And then later on in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 14, it explains this armor. It says, stand firm. There it is again, talking about standing. Stand firm then with the belt of truth. We talked about that week number one, kind of like a, how important that belt of truth is, like discount double check, you know, those commercials, uh, that to strap on that belt of truth because this is the belt of truth is our core convictions and beliefs, and we need the belt of truth. And Jesus calls himself the way, the truth, and the life. He's the truth, and the truth is what holds up all the other pieces of the armor of God. So put on the belt of truth, buckled around your waist with the breastplate of righteousness. We talked about that last week, how it actually uh, sits on and hinges on, hooks onto the belt of truth. And so we need to put on that breastplate of righteousness, and, and it's held up by the belt of truth. And, and as we looked at last week, the definition of righteousness is righteousness is upright living that aligns with God's expectations. And, and so the breastplate of righteousness is holy living, and it repels the enemy. It's like a flak jacket or a bulletproof vest, uh, if you will. And, and then it says, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. That's what we're going to talk about today. Put on your boots, your boots of peace. And then it goes on and it says, in addition to all this, take up the shield of faith. Next week we're going to be looking at that fantastic uh, truth as we talk about the uh, shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. That, that's the enemy has an assignment. He's got a plan and purpose for your life. John, uh, Jesus said in John chapter 10, verse 10, thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I've come that you might have life, and that life would be more abundant. So we need that shield of faith that's going to extinguish all the arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation, we're going to look at that in a couple weeks, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And, and so we're going to talk about, we want to dive down now into this whole idea of the boots of peace. I, I don't know about you, you know, uh, I, I know a lot of ladies, I don't know why that is necessarily, but a lot of ladies love shoes. Uh, I'm not necessarily a shoe person, but I am a sneakerhead. I love sneakers. In fact, just doing this message gave me the opportunity to wear uh, one of my favorite pair of sneakers, these are Adidas Superstar with the shell toe, you know, the classic Adidas with a little green stripes of the Adidas on there. Uh, I have flat feet, and uh, I didn't even know that till I started playing sports when I went out for football the first time, and, and the school doctor, you know, checked me over and said, you have flat feet, and I had to go to my own physician and get cleared. What that basically means, I have like no arches in my feet, and uh, so my legs, my shins, my legs, my knees and all that, w 
it would get really, really sore if I didn't have the right footwear. So I've always had to be really particular on the kind of shoes that I wear. Uh, when we used to really dress it up every Sunday in a suit and tie and dress shoes, I would be in absolute agony at the end of a Sunday just having to wear dress shoes for like two hours. And so being a little more casual really is incredibly comfortable for me and helps me a lot. So I'm not walking around like a 95-year-old man every Sunday afternoon uh, because I can wear shoes that, that are really comfortable and really help me because of my flat feet. And, and so I, I love sneakers, all different kinds of sneakers. And if you have the wrong footwear in athletics, uh, you're not going to be successful. You know, if you go out in basketball shoes on a rainy field to play football, you're going to fall all over the place. Well, the reality is with the, the armor of God, we have to have the right shoes on as well. And, and so let me show you a close-up picture of what Roman boots look like. Here we see in this part, here's, there's a boot behind this laced up and then kind of a, a shin protector, a piece of metal that would go over the shins. And this is the bottom. Actually, the Roman centurions would actually have almost a, a metal cleated uh, boot bottom. And, and so that would help them to stand in all different types of terrain. So really, really important that we, you can have all the armor on, but if you have, you know, flip-flops, you're going to fall all over the place. You're going to fail and you're going to die in terms of being a Roman uh, soldier. And remember, Paul is under house arrest when the Holy Spirit is speaking to him uh, about this metaphor of the armor of God. And he's literally looking, I, I just imagine he's looking at a Roman centurion, and he's drawing the parallels between a Roman armor for a centurion, just like we're looking at, uh, and, and spiritual armor. And, and so these are the shoes, these are the boots here, and they are cleated on the bottom. And so we need to lace up the boots of peace. And, and I'm calling them the boots of peace because, uh, again, uh, they, they were more like boots than they were necessarily uh, like sandals that soldiers would wear. And they were especially made for rough and rocky terrain uh, in the Middle East. And, and they were the right footwear, could I put it this way, for the right battle. You have to have the right footwear to win the right battle to win the contest, if you will. So what is peace? Let me give you kind of a definition here. Peace is to have a sense of harmony and tranquility, means to have a sense of harmony and tranquility no matter what is going on in your life. So peace is not the absence of conflict. In, in fact, when everything's going fine, that's really not peace. Uh, that's just uh, things are smooth sailing. But real peace, when do we need peace? When everything around us is kind of going crazy. When there's chaos and confusion. It's the deep abiding rest because you know that your heavenly father has it all in his hands. That's what peace is. So that's the boots of peace, if you will. And, and during his time on earth, Jesus experienced constant attacks. And so when he's talking about peace, it doesn't mean uh, the lack of conflict. It doesn't mean everything's going perfect. He experienced constant attacks from the enemy, and he knew that the enemy would come after those who loved him the most. That's you, and that's me. And so he told us to ground ourselves with peace, to ground ourselves with the right footing. And, and so look at what he says in John chapter 16, verse 33. Jesus says, I have told you these things so that in me you will have peace. In this world, you will have trouble. 
Now, it's really important. Don't ever believe anyone who tells you, trust in Jesus Christ and your life is just going to be all just flowers and daffodils and, and, and warm uh, spring breezes and, and everything's going to be fine and perfect. Nothing could be further from the truth. Jesus said, in me you're going to have peace, but in this world you're going to have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. So what is he saying? There's going to be all kinds of trouble swirling around you and I, all kinds of difficulty and conflict and turmoil. However, we can have peace in the midst of all that storm because of Jesus Christ. We can, uh, God's peace can keep you stable, can keep you standing firm, not slipping and sliding, never flinching, even when under attack. You know, when I coached high school football, it was kind of funny. Uh, I, I didn't expect this was going to happen, but uh, especially in 2005 to 2012 when I coached at John Jay and at Lords, I coached earlier at John Jay in the 90s. But uh, the players used to start pointing out, uh, and I don't know who noticed it first or whatever, but on the sideline of, in a football game, is, it's pretty much chaos. There's all kinds of craziness going on. And one of the players made this statement, and then the other coaches were like, well, you're absolutely right. They're like, you know what, Coach Williamson, he's like the calm in the middle of the storm. Because as everything's swirling around like that, I, I just felt like one of the best things I could do for myself personally and to help the team was to just be cool, just to be peaceful. Now, it wasn't like that all the time. Uh, in fact, I remember we were playing in in the playoffs at one point we were at a, another school where it was an away game and uh, I was standing there just trying to keep peace you know calm and keep my head and, and help just bring peace on those sidelines there and and one of the guys I guess it was a dad or something that was holding on to the first down marker the chains he he obviously was from the opposing team and uh, as we were calling plays he would speak out to the cornerback on that side, and he would tell him, play's coming this way. Play's coming this way. And I was standing there, I was like, what, what, what did you just say? And he's like, nothing, nothing. And I just heard him over and over, it's going away from him, it's going on the other side. And finally, I called the official over, and I said, this guy who's holding the first down marker, he's telling the team which way our plays are running. And then he started yelling and screaming and cursing at me and all this stuff, and he almost got thrown off the... the uh, chain gang is what they call it there and uh you, you know i i kind of lost my peace a little bit at the same time and uh, as he was threatening me and all that so i'm just saying that i wasn't always perfect at peace but but peace in the midst of kind of chaos and all it's amazing how much god will allow that to make your life and my life stand out from everything that's going on around us and so there's three things about the peace of God, the boots of peace, that I think are really, really important because God not only wants you and I to have peace, he wants that peace to be attractive to other people that they want to know why do you have peace in the middle of all this uncertainty, in the middle of all this trouble, in the middle of all this turmoil. So three things about God's peace. Here's the first thing. God's peace guards your mind. God's peace guards your mind. That's what God wants his peace to do if we'll allow it. But we've got to put on the boots of peace. Remember, it says put on the armor of God. It doesn't, God doesn't say, I'm going to suit you up every morning. No, it's my responsibility, it's your responsibility to put on the armor of God, to put on God's peace, the boots of peace. 
2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5, the Bible says, We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. This is spiritual warfare verse right here, no doubt about it. And it says, And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. So God's peace guards our minds. We have to take our thoughts captive. That's where a majority, you know, not exclusively, but, but a majority of spiritual warfare takes place in our minds. It's not out there. It's up in here. It's in our thoughts. It's in our minds. And so we attract all sorts of unhealthy thinking, thoughts that are godless, that are negative, that are self-condemning or fearful. And, and when those thoughts come, the sentry of our mind has to say, stop. We have to say, stop. And there's three ways that really you can identify in your thoughts. I want to give you right now three ways that you can identify if your thoughts are coming from God, they're godly thoughts, or if they're coming from our enemy, Satan, they're satanic thoughts. Satanic thoughts will make you fearful and will put you in a frenzy. That's not the thoughts that God gives you. That's not what God wants you to think about. God's thoughts bring you calm and comfort, even in the midst of all kinds of trouble. Satanic thoughts bring confusion and coercion, trying to confuse and trying to manipulate us into doing something that is against God's will and desire for our lives. God's thoughts, though, bring clarity and they bring direction. Satanic thoughts bring condemnation and discouragement. You're good for nothing. You'll never do anything. You'll never accomplish anything. You've ruined it. You've blown your life so bad. There's no way that God's ever going to forgive you. Condemnation. Look what you did. You call yourself a Christian. How can you be a Christian? Those are satanic thoughts. Bring condemnation and discouragement. But God's thoughts bring forgiveness and encouragement. Forgiveness and encouragement. So the next time uh, the enemy attacks your thoughts with lies like, you know, your son has a learning disability. He's just going to fall behind. He, he's never going to get into a good college. Or, or maybe this one, you're single and you're 30. You'll always be alone. You're unlovable. Nobody will ever want you. These are all lies. These are all satanic flaming arrows, thoughts that need to be taken captive. Or how about this one? You're still stuck. You can't kick this addiction. You're a slave. It's always going to be the way that it all. You're never going to be victorious and free from this. We need to take those thoughts captive by God's peace. You've got to take those thoughts and, and put them up to the standard of what God tells you and I in his word. And that's why it's so important to be in his word. And, and so this week, as we've talked about, we're reading chapter by chapter through the book of Galatians. This week, starting Sunday right now, we're going to read Galatians chapter 3. I encourage you, challenge every single day this week, read Galatians chapter 3 as we're in this third week uh, of this series. as We're putting God's word into our hearts so we need to ask ourselves all the time when, when we have these thoughts, is this the truth? Is this God's truth? Are, are these thoughts coming from God or are they not? And, and then we need to take authority over them, demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. So, so when they say your son has a learning disability, he's never going to make it into college, uh, we, we need to 
challenge that thought and put that thought down with the word of God that says, my son is fearfully and wonderfully made in Psalm 139, verse 14. And God has plans to prosper him and not to harm him, to give him a hope and a future, Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11. See, we, see, we use God's word to distinguish, to take captive those flaming arrows, to take those things control of those lies in our minds so, so when that those lies come oh you're still 30 and you're not married yet uh, we just say get out of here devil because i'm single i'm 30 and i am god's child in john chapter uh, 1 verse 12 and he promises to be with me and that i will never be alone hebrews chapter 13 verse 5 so using god's word to distinguish to extinguish rather we have to distinguish that it's a satanic thought it's not from god and then we extinguish it with god's word and, and then the one about addiction, you're stuck in this addiction, you're never going to find freedom. Well, we just say, Satan, get out of my head because I'm fighting this addiction. Uh, God sees me as a new creation, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away, all things have become new. And, and so I'm going to overcome because the one who is in me is greater than he that is in the world, 1 John chapter 4, 1 John chapter 5, verse 4. And, and so this is the way we need to take these thoughts captive. And then we find when we do that, we find God gives us peace. But he's not going to give us peace when we're, you know, being, a, uh, uh, what, what's the word that I want here? Uh, he doesn't give peace while we're in the middle of our apathy. We have to take active to put on the boots of peace. Psalm 29, verse 11 puts it this way. The Lord gives strength to his people. The Lord blesses his people with peace. With peace. Not when we're being passive, but when we put on the boots of peace. God, I choose to trust what you say about me today instead of what the enemy says about me and what my own flesh says about me and what the world says about me. The world, the flesh, and the devil are going to tell you all kinds of things contradictory to what God says and is going to steal our peace. And so you and I have to put on the boots of peace. It's so very important. So the, the first thing is that, that God's peace guards our minds. Second thing is this, God's peace guides our steps. God's peace guides our steps. Colossians chapter 3, verse 15 puts it this way. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. We're going to look at that and unpack that word in, in just a second. But let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you are called to peace, and don't miss this, and be thankful. And be thankful. Let me unpack this a little bit. This word, uh, rule, is a picture of a judge behind a bench marking a ruling. Uh, it, it, the idea really is close to this word rule is where we get our idea of an umpire from deciding strikes, balls and strikes, and, and who's out in baseball. God's peace actually rules on whether uh, or not the decisions that we're making are in alignment with him or if they're against him. The Holy Spirit gives us peace when we walk in alignment with him. See how all these pieces of the armor of God, breastplate of righteousness, righteousness is when we align our, our life and our decisions with God, what his expectations are. All of these pieces fit together in the armor of God. Maybe you've heard Christians say, uh, uh, you know, I just don't have peace about this, you know, kind of fill in the blank. Well, that's more than just a, a, 
a cliche. That's really based on this in Colossians chapter 3, verse 15. Uh, to let the peace of Christ rule your heart. In other words, let the peace of God say, Greg, that's out of bounds for your life. That's out of bounds. It may look okay, but that's out of bounds for your life. And so it's really, really important uh, that we listen when the Holy Spirit gives us peace and when that peace is gone as well. No matter what it looks like. It may look like a great, great situation, but, but we just don't have peace. Well, we need to leave that situation. Don't step in and don't stay in that situation or, or even that relationship. Or, or sometimes you might hear a Christian say, uh, I felt God's peace and I'm, I'm, I'm good to go, I'm okay. And, and you just have that sense of peace, even in the midst of uncertainty, and you follow and you take that step as God's peace guides our steps and you find out God is the one who's directing you. Now, that being said, I think it's really important. Let me just stop here. I don't believe in the life of a Christian everything begins and ends with do I have peace or not? I, I think we also need to get wise counsel from friends that love us, that don't have, uh, you, you know, uh, a subjective opinion. They, they can give us objective advice. I think it's really important that, that you know, you're never going to really have peace that is contradictory to God's word. So s a lot of times I find that Christians confuse, watch this now, comfort with peace. That's not, that's not what God's talking about here. You, you know, you can be real comfortable and peaceful sitting on the couch, binge-watching Netflix, but that doesn't mean that's God's will for your life. That's comfort. That doesn't mean that's God's will for your life. You know, I know of just a person, I know a young man graduating from college uh, in, in a few months, and uh, someone offered him a job, full-time job, with benefits in his degree plan, exactly what he wants to be. And, 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 and he turned the job down. He turned the job down because he, and he said, well, I just don't have peace about it. And what it really is, is he's just real, real comfortable living in his parents' basement. College debt, all that, turning down full-time work with benefits in the career that he, he really wants to fulfill. That, that's not, I don't have peace. That's, I'm really, really comfortable and I'm, I'm going to fail to launch after college. That's what that is. <laughs> Mommy and dad just taking care of me so well, I'd just rather keep binge-watching Netflix. D don't confuse comfort with peace. In my own life, most of the time, when I have felt God's peace is when everything looks like it doesn't even make sense. And God's directing me, keep going. Keep going. Keep moving forward. Because it, it looks like there's, there's conflict. It looks like there's uncertainty. It looks like all this stuff. But so many times, you know, faith means you've got to take that step even when it's uncertain. But God give you peace. God will give you peace. And so that's why it's important that, that God's peace guides our steps, but that's not the only guide in your life and in my life. And, and I think it's real important, too. Watch what it says here. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you're called to peace. Watch this now. We're called to it. We, we need to pursue peace. We need to prioritize peace. Watch this now. And be thankful. And be thankful. When there is peace in our hearts, there will always be praise in our lips. When there's peace in our hearts, there will always be praise in our lips, on our lips. And, and so that's why it's so important even, I think, when, when we gather together to, to, to worship God together. It doesn't mean everything's perfect. 
It doesn't mean everything's right. It doesn't mean my, my marriage is, is perfect. My kids are all perfect. You know, I have the perfect job. You, you know, my family, my, my whole life is perfect. It doesn't mean that at all. But what it means is this. I'm not going to let what's wrong with me keep me from worshiping what's right with God. Be thankful. And it's amazing when we begin to praise God, the peace is part of that. Peace is part of that. So where there is peace in the heart, there will be praise in the lips. And could I put it this way? Where there is praise on the lips, there will be peace in the heart. The inverse is true as well. These two things working in tandem together. And so here's a good question. How can we get real Holy Spirit-led peace? Let me give you a little example of of a traffic light. Let's just go ahead and put that up. And uh, by the way, before I explain this, let me just explain a traffic light because I've seen so many drivers don't know how it actually works. Uh, Red means stop. Uh, green means go, yellow means go faster. No, that's not what it means at all. A lot of people think that, though. Uh, yellow means caution, slow down, begin to slow down. Uh, some of us, though, they, we think that means go faster. So, so this is a traffic light. So let me just walk you through this. When we have a request, when we pray about something, how God uses peace to help to direct us, okay? Because God's peace guides our steps. First of all, if we have the wrong request at the wrong time, the answer is no. (coughs) Red light. Watch this now. If we have the right request, we're asking God, maybe it's about a job offer. Maybe it's about, uh, you know, maybe you're single and there's a a Christian young lady that's caught your eye and you're just kind of wanting to break the ice and wondering if you should pursue that relationship or not. Uh, or, or maybe you're a Christian young lady and there's a Christian young man uh, as well. And so you say, God, sh- should I go out on this date? Uh, notice I didn't say the non-believer because we don't believe in missionary dating. You know, I'll, as a Christian, I'll date someone who's not a Christian and hopefully they'll come to Christ. No, sweetheart, God's not going to use you to do that, okay? That's not the way it works. It says don't be unequally yoked with an unbeliever. But, but when the request is right, it, God, what about this, you know, uh, young lady who loves you? Uh, should I ask her out? Sometimes the timing is not right. So what does that mean? It means go slow. Yellow, not go faster. Yellow doesn't mean go faster. It means go slow. Sometimes we, we, give the, we pray and we ask God the request is right, and the timing is right as well. And God says, go ahead. Go ahead. And this is how God's peace works. The request is wrong. The timing is wrong. No peace. The request is right, but the timing is not exactly right. Go slow. Still have peace, but still moving forward slowly and cautiously. Yellow light. Sometimes... We pray, we ask God, the request is right, the timing is right, and we go forward. So I like to think of, of God's peace in your life and my life when we're praying about something, when we're looking for direction, like a traffic light here. And remember, red means stop, green means go, yellow means go slow, not go faster. Okay? I, I hope that helps real, real practical, that even when you're uh, driving around this week and you see a traffic light, it reminds you of praying. And it's so important to pray. And then to allow God to guide us. And one of the main ways that he guides our steps is through his peace. God's peace guides our step. 
And so these first two things about God's peace are, are very, very, uh, let me put it this way, very personal. God, God's peace guards our mind. God's peace guides our steps. But the third thing about God's peace, the boots of peace and the armor of God, the third thing is not necessarily personal. It's for other people. And it's incredibly important. And, and the third thing is this. God's peace glues broken relationships. God's peace glues broken relationships. Ephesians chapter 6, uh, that has the armor of God in it that we've been drilling down deep into uh, in, in this series, uh, it really is kind of a summary of the previous five chapters. It, it kind of summarizes a lot of what the Holy Spirit has already said through the Apostle Paul as he wrote the book of Ephesians. And, and almost in, in modern days, modern times, you know, current times, it's almost like as you go through uh, Ephesians chapter 6, I like to think of it like there are hyperlinks that take you back to other places in Ephesians. That's why I'm encouraging, challenge the whole church family to read the book of Ephesians week by week as we work our way through. And, and so when it's talking here about the boots of peace, the gospel of peace, it, it's like a hyperlink that takes us back to Ephesians chapter 2, something that Paul had already said uh, in this epistle to the Christians at Ephesus, and look at what it says. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 14, it says, For he himself, that's speaking of Jesus Christ, he himself is our peace. Jesus is our peace as Christians. Who has made the two groups, that is, there were, in the church of Ephesus, they were uh, two factions, if you will. There were Jews who had received Christ as their Messiah, but there were also Gentiles, anyone other than Jewish, that had received Christ as their Savior. A and these two were often pitted against each other. They were enemies of one another. However, now they're Christians together. And so the Apostle Paul is speaking into that situation where there's still some hostility between the Jews and the non-Jews, even in the church of Ephesus. A and he says, For he himself is our peace, Jesus Christ, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. There was hostility in the church of Ephesus. It goes on and it says, by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and its regulations, his purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace. And, and so in, in the biblical times there, there was the perspective there's only two kinds of groups, if you will, Jews and Gentiles. From the biblical perspective, Jews and Gentiles. And what this is saying is Jesus came to unite them around his sacrifice for their sins as the promised one through his sinless life, his sacrificial death, and his resurrection from the dead. He's like, there aren't two different bodies. There isn't one group that's preferred over the others. Not at all. They're one. There's one body. We've talked about this in weeks past making one new man, thus making peace. He created himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace. And it goes on and says, uh, actually, it, it just stops right there. <laughs> thus making peace. It doesn't go on uh, any further there. So this is what Jesus did. God's peace gives us glues, rather, glues broken relationships. He did that between Jew and Gentile, through his sinless life, sacrificial death, and resurrection for all who receive him. And, and the Jewish word for peace is shalom. Shalom. 
In fact, turn to somebody right now in Poughkeepsie and, and say, uh, Shalom, or Shalom out, like peace out, you know? Shalom. That's a Hebrew word. You're saying peace. You're speaking peace to other people. But this idea of peace, again, is not the absence of conflict at all. The Hebrew word for peace, shalom, doesn't just mean the absence of conflict, but listen, it also means the restoration of something that was broken. The restoration of something that had been broken. That's what shalom is. Whether it's broken things in our lives, or in relationships, or even in the world. God's peace, his shalom. It, it's not just some surface level peace that's just, okay, I'll just be polite. That's not shalom. That's not God's peace. Shalom, can I put it this way, is active peacemaking, watch this now, that doesn't retreat from conflict, that runs to conflict and crisis with the boots of peace and brings peace where there is no peace. It's active. God's peace glues relationships. So, let me ask you a couple questions. How's the shalom in your, in your family? In your home? Is there anyone in your family that you have a broken relationship with? With your parents? With your kids? A relationship that needs mending? God wants us to actively pursue bringing peace God's peace glues relationships what, what about uh, you know you've been attending Valley for some time and we have our small group group link coming up soon and, and you've just said no over and over and over again to get involved with a small group because you really don't uh, you, you don't want to invite that kind of relationship into your life where people kind of see man you don't you don't have it all together kind of some things are a little messed up. Well, here's news to you. So are all of we. So, so is every one of us. Every one of us. But that accountability just brings so much health. It's so, so much uh, healing. And, and so don't, don't run away from a small group. Run to it. It'll make peace in your life. What, what about... Uh, what about the human family? How are we doing in embracing and welcoming people that uh, don't agree with us, don't look like us, don't, don't share our own personal opinions to make peace in those situations? Paul is, about, Paul is talking about reconciling Jews and Gentiles. He's talking about ethnic enemies bringing peace. God's peace glues relationships Shalom with non-believers as well as believers. Those in your office that, that, you know, ridicule you because of your faith in Christ. You still need to bring peace and be at peace. Matthew chapter 5, verse 9, Jesus said this in the Beatitudes. He, he said, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Man, that's a powerful, powerful statement pregnant with meaning that Jesus says there but for our purpose today let me just point out it doesn't say blessed are the peacekeepers you know peacekeepers you think about the UN what does that mean when we send in peacekeepers to a place they're just trying to keep people from killing each other that's not what Jesus is saying just 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 try to keep it so people don't kill each other no there's something much higher than that that Jesus is saying step into the middle of it 
and bring peace. Blessed are the peacemakers, not the peacekeepers. Some people just try to avoid conflict at all, at all costs, you know, saying, well, that's peace. That's not what Jesus is talking about. He's talking about brokering peace, if you will, bringing peace. Blessed are the peacemakers. And Jesus says we can do better than just uh, trying to keep people from killing each other. We can broker peace in the middle of conflict. And, and so uh, wouldn't it be amazing if as a church, Valley Christian Church, the Church of Jesus Christ, wouldn't it be amazing if we were really known in our community as, you know what, the Valley family, they're peacemakers. They make peace. They seek ways to bring peace into the middle of conflict. You know, instead of waging war, <laughs> uh, what if instead uh, we brought peace instead of conflict? Uh, you know, so many, uh, so many Christians, they're just known for what they're against. What about what you're for? What you're really for? We're for peace and bringing peace. What is active peacemaking? Well, active peacemaking is when we see a conflict or a crisis, we don't run from it, we run to it. It could be a justice issue, it could be uh, something in the kingdom of darkness that is triumphing, and, and it seems like it's so big that we want to retreat, we want to just, uh, you know, run into the the treehouse and pull up the ladder and nobody mess with me any longer, you know, like when we were kids, but that's a kid's perspective. So what does it mean in your marriage when you want to retreat, but God says, run straight for that conflict and bring peace, husband and wives, bring peace. It means in the co-workers, instead of retreating and giving up and quitting because things aren't going your way, God says, stand firm in the face of conflict and Stand in peace. Stand in peace and bring peace into your work environment. That's what our Connexus Conference is all about. What God wants to do in and through your life the other six days, Monday through Saturday, that we bring peace, the peace of God into that work environment. What about in your family? You know, I, I know too many Christians, you get to talking with them just a little bit, and, and they just start giving you the list of all the people they've cut off in their life because all just broken relationship after broken relationship. Blessed are the peacemakers, Jesus said. That's what he expects. Not that we cut people off, but that we make peace. You want to retreat, you want to give up on people, but God says run into the conflict. When you run into the conflict or you run into the crisis, make sure you have the boots of peace on. You're actually bringing heaven crashing into earth. So let me put it this way. When God's peace touches earth, heaven invades and God's peace pours through. It's just like Jesus taught in the Lord's Prayer to pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. When God's peace touches earth, heaven invades, and God's peace pours through. And so let me end with this. Talking about the, the boots of peace. How about instead of waging war, let's wage peace. Let's wage peace. Let's make the decision today. We are going to be peacemakers. Instead of running from the difficulty, 
running from the trouble, running from the conflict, we're going to be peacemakers. Just like Jesus encouraged us to. And so let me ask you this. Do you have the kind of peace today? Not false peace. Not, uh, you, you know, a peace that just is here today and just, just goes in the middle of the circumstance. It just changes. But the peace of God that will guard your mind, that guides your steps, and helps to glue relationships and fractures. Peace that comes from the gospel. Jesus said it this way in John chapter 14. Peace I leave with you. Peace is your inheritance as a follower of Jesus Christ. My peace I give you, Jesus said. I do not give to you as the world gives, gives and takes away, gives conditionally, gives based on if you deserve it or not, how, you know, if you've earned it or not. He goes, that's just not the way I give peace. That's not the way I give peace. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Our ultimate peace comes through Jesus Christ. We have peace with God and God gives us his peace. And so what I want to do right now, I want to pray. I, I want to close in prayer and just ask God, first of all, to give us the grace to become real peacemakers. And, and that we would really be even more, uh, what's the word I want, responsive to the peace of God and aware and sensitive to the peace of God in our life. And we would follow his peace. And so would you bow your heads with me right now? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for your peace. And God, as, as we're in this week number three of our SWAT series, Spiritual Warfare and Tactics, Lord, I, I pray that this message has even brought peace to people that maybe came uh, to, to Poughkeepsie today or are watching us online, uh, Lord, that, uh, that they don't have peace. And so, Father, thank you for your peace, and may we become more sensitive to your peace in the way that you want to guide us and direct us every day of our lives. Father, thank you for, for your peace, Lord, that, that really does guard our minds, and, and may we allow your peace to guard our minds, that we can discern the thoughts that are coming from you and the thoughts that are coming from our enemy that steal our peace. And Lord, may we also prioritize peace as your peace guides our steps to look for your peace. And Lord, give us the courage as well when there's conflict and difficulty that we wouldn't run from it. But Lord, we'd recognize that your peace glues relationships back together. And Lord, may we become peacemakers not just peacekeepers, but peacemakers in the midst of conflict and turmoil and trouble around us. Thank you, Father. Now, with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, I want to give an opportunity to, to, to anyone here in the hearing of my voice right now in Poughkeepsie or our online campus. If, if you don't have peace and you don't know Jesus Christ, you've never surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, he is our peace, just like we looked at today. He is our peace. And so the Bible says that if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. 
And I want to lead you in a simple prayer right now that you can repeat after me. Open your heart up to Jesus today and receive his peace through a relationship with him. Just repeat this prayer after me right now. Say, Heavenly Father, forgive me of my sins. I turn from them today and I receive Jesus Christ. Jesus be my Lord. Jesus be my Savior. I ask you to lead me, guide me, direct me from this day forward by your Holy Spirit and I will follow you. Amen.